This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 594 with guest Mike Weger, recorded on December 14th, 2023. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all through the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy.tv studios, which, Mike, for, for December, the weather, I mean, maybe a little rain tonight, but pretty great, right? I mean, you, you can't complain about the weather in Omaha, Nebraska, right? Not bad. Not bad at all. Haven't had that first big snowstorm yet, so I'm happy. I, I don't think it's going to snow. I think at all this year. No. That, okay, I'll take it. I just kind of feel like we thought, okay, to be honest, we've had flurries already. But I just don't see, I, I don't know, maybe this will be one of those years where just we don't get that much. I don't know. We'll hope for it. We'll see. A little dusting on the 24th, Sunday night, the 24th would be nice, right? Have the kids yeah. wake up, some of those kinds of things. But anyways, very mild weather going on in Omaha, Nebraska. We'll post the show with some world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Big thanks to Jay Franzi, who was our guest uh, two weeks ago, surgery in between. Uh, we'll hold that surgery update till the end of the program. So if you're jumping in, you want to hear about that. I mean, listen to the program. Don't skip to the end, but we'll cover that that uh, update from surgery at the end of the program. Uh, but big thanks to Jay, who joined me two weeks ago before that. And then, of course, big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. If you want to join the Patreon team, we have a plan out there for you. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Um, uh, by the way, updated the Amazon, Mike, I'm doing Amazon again. I just decided I might as well. Yeah. Especially around the holidays. Yeah. I might as well jump back in. So if you head out to the average guy.tv and look to the menu on the right, there's a support on Amazon link. Just click on it. It'll send you through. There's too many weird rules with Amazon and what you can and can't do. So just created a link, no trickery, no URL shortcut. Just head out to the average guy.tv, click on support on Amazon. You do that before you shop anything that benefits the network. Nothing you have to do. You guys all know that by now. You know how that works. Uh, so check that out. That is working now. And a few of you have already used it. So I appreciate you doing that. And a little quick tip on that too. So I, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media, but right now, if you order someone from Amazon, go in the search bar on Amazon, just type thank your driver. And yeah. the top thing, you can click on it. Amazon will give your driver an extra $5. Oh. It doesn't charge you anything. Just you have to click it, say thanks. And I think you can only do it once per account. But hey, you know, give your driver five bucks on your yeah. next Amazon order too. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? If you order something from Amazon, it comes. Yeah. Who right. Who would have thought? Yeah. Have thought? It's pretty. Has, have you seen a slowdown at all in Amazon deliveries or uh, UPS or mail? No. That, no. Okay. If anything, I mean, I was just ordering some last minute Christmas presents last night. They're all getting here in the next two days. Um, Amazon's been super fast for me, if not faster, I think, than I've been used to in the past. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Well, have you well, noticed a slowdown? Uh, no, I've I've only heard about it. Oh, I've, got I've it. Just some folks have been saying they're really struggling. Packages. I was talking to somebody, maybe it was Ed Sullivan. He said he ordered something that was like, 13 miles away, it went to Staten Island before it made its way back to New Hampshire and then down to Boston again. And it was like, he was like, hmm, hmm. that seems That's the most efficient pass. That's yeah. East Coast, though, here in the Midwest. Right. We don't have as much. We just don't have as much stuff to do. But yeah, actually, uh, we, we, I found some really hard to find um, uh, latches or not latches, but hinges for a cabinet drawer that we had that's been broken for about 10 years. And what found those, they came in a day. 
type thing, you know, I, or some fire starter. I've been, so just, just uh, Sarah's, I ordered Sarah's, uh, uh, Christmas present came in. It's, it's, it seemed seemingly, but have you been bought? Have you bought big box at all? Are you going out locally and buying anything for Christmas or have you done everything? Uh, not for Christmas. I do have a fun tech story for later where I accidentally fried my motherboard last week. So I had to go to Best Buy because I needed, it was my server. So I needed that back up and running. So the only time I've done big box has been Best Buy because I needed it literally in the next, you know, hour. But, uh, no, I haven't done any, any big box, even the big box purchase. I did do like, I bought Hannah's gift from a big box. I ordered online from them Mm. and they delivered it. They delivered it too. It's just so easy. It's just easy. Yep. Ken, Ken Brack, uh, Ken talking about the whiskey we're talking about. He's saying marketed in 10 years as post COVID whiskey. We're talking oh, about. that's, I, I bet right. you're right, Ken. Yep. Right. I bet yeah. you're spot on. Dan's checking in says, good evening, popping in while doing some gift wrapping. Good, good thing to do while you're listening to home gadget geeks. And then, uh, Kevin says, yes, our post offices are buried with Amazon packages. <laughs> so it'll probably vary by location. Um, but yeah, we're at that part of the season. Uh, as we are recording, we're two weeks two weeks away from Christmas, uh, fifteen days at this point, and uh, and it's getting time, gentlemen. If you haven't if you haven't done it, uh, get it done, and uh, no, don't don't make any excuses. Uh, first of all, Mike, welcome back. Always great to have you. Appreciate love you being, being back. There. And um, you know, today starts the fourteenth year of Home Gadget Geeks. Is that all not right. crazy? last week? That is. Crazy. Would have been 13 would have been the, the 13th. And then we start the 14th season. Is that not crazy that with 14 years of, of this, did you think it's almost unbelievable? I mean, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and, and just to think, you know, even think of like where like tech in the podcasting has come since when you were first doing this, now you had to get a podcast out compared to now on StreamYard, And it, like, it's been so long since I've been on the show that you weren't able to interact with the chat in StreamYard. You weren't able to log in and chat right. back with them back last time I was on. So it continues to get better. Yeah. And I think we were, that's like early windows seven days, I think I want to say. And some, we were still talking home servers and bringing it with Skype back then probably. Uh, uh, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, we did it via hang Google hangouts. Okay. We did, but you could have done it via Skype. Skype video is just terrible. So we, we, we never really did it that way, but yeah, um, yeah, lots have changed and lots have stayed the same. I, I look at the cast and crew that's out there <laughs> in the chat and very similar. KDJ may be the one exception to this. He came in a year or two ago, maybe in the last year. <coughs> but yeah, I, I guess I want to say thanks to, to, to you folks listening. Uh, we couldn't have done this. Mike, you hung out with me for a lot of years in this. And uh, we couldn't have done this without you. So thanks for 13 years. No, I have no video reel. I have no, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, pull a cord and balloons are going to fall yeah, from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. well, we can get, I think we can get now with the new Mac things. I think I can get, oh, there, you yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So fancy. Look at that. Um, uh, are you running, you're running a Mac or are you on Windows? No, Windows. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Windows would have thought that. I know. Um, I know. But, uh, but anyways, thanks to you guys who listen, uh, important to me that you do. And, you know, of course, every year I kind of think, should I keep doing this? And yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. So thanks for the, uh, yeah, Ken does remind me, I think we started Ustream. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. At one point I still have a scratchy. I'm going to let Mike do most of the talking here <laughs> from here on out. Cause it's kind of scratchy. Mike, catch us up on what's, what's life going on with you. Yeah. Life has been a lot of fun. Um, 
the kids, right? Like at this stage of my life, life revolves around the kids. Uh, the boys are already in first grade and kindergarten. So it is all baseball, basketball, been, you know, coached baseball and uh, watching them just go through all this is just a blast. So it's been, it's been all kids um, and, and still playing hockey too, uh, which is, you know, all sorts of good life updates. But it's funny that you reached out when you did on get me back on the show. I know we've been trying to do this since the summer. But then we were talking about for November, December, and and recently I started kind of getting back into the. <clears throat> now I'm gonna have a scratchy throat as soon as you pass the mic to me. <clears throat> One second, okay. Mm-hmm. So you know, you asked me, and I, so I've actually been getting back into the YouTube game a little bit. You know, I was kind of I have that creative itch of you know I haven't been podcasting with you. It's been forever since I've done my own podcast, and I always love making YouTube videos. So uh, about a month ago, I started doing that again, and that got me kind of back into okay. If I'm going to be doing YouTube, I need projects to document for YouTube. I love doing tutorials, right? That's what I love doing with YouTube tech tutorials. And so I, you know, my servers had really been something that had been rock solid, and I didn't need to touch them, and I hadn't been tinkering too much with my home lab. Uh, it had been just kind of working well. But the YouTube game was like, okay, well, let's let's start having some fun again. Let's start tinkering. And so the last month, I think to Hannah's dismay, I have just been a tinkering fiend and just messing with all sorts of new kind of home lab tech that I've missed out on over the last few years, not being involved. Uh, so it's been it's been a lot of learning new things. And I think we'll talk about a few of them tonight. Uh, you guys are very used to me talking about Unraid and, and Windows gaming PCs, those sort of things. And Unraid is still my main NAS box, but I've been playing with a lot of different things like Proxmox and Ceph and uh, learning Git and just kind of starting to have more fun with with everything in my home lab and and tidying up the rack. It had been a while. We we actually finished part of our basement uh, since the last time we talked. So that project's been going, man, took a while. It's been going since April. Yeah, been doing uh, it for a while. It's been it's been a long time. It finally got done. Uh, but they boxed out the room where the server room is. It's in the furnace room. So you know, figuring out ventilation because it's really hot in there. And so there's been a, a lot of fun projects, especially over I think like you know the last four weeks. Some fun stuff to talk about tonight. Any new, before we dig into that, any new, have you had any new gadgets to the, uh, you know, there's been just a ton of new home automation stuff that's been coming yeah. out. I think any, anything you've, or, or that you got your eye on that you're kind of like, mm, boy, I'd sure like to add that to the mix of home automation. You know, I think we're getting to the point. So nothing, nothing extremely new. I, uh, I am trying out Apple TVs. So I wanted to kind of see, you know, a lot of people just swear by the Apple TV and uh, being an Apple ecosystem for our phones and iPads and Hannah has a work iPad. Uh, I was like, okay, let, let's try one of those out. So, so that's probably the newest quote unquote gadget. Everything else has been just kind of software based. But uh, one thing I really want to get into, and I think prices are now starting to become more affordable, is 10 gig networking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we've all been running really advanced one gig stuff. And I have, you know, a, a PoE switch that's managed. and I run VLANs. And I'm getting to the point now where I think, you know, 10 gig before I didn't really need it. But now that I'm really starting to expand and have more than one server and having those servers talk to each other and, and all sorts of things, I think... I think I want to start experimenting with with getting some 10 gig. And along with that, probably some fiber. I was thinking about some of the switches around my house and how fun it would be to replace the long Ethernet lines with fiber and get 10 gig around the house. And so that's kind of, I've got my eyes set on that. And there's been a lot of, you know, I think YouTube content, especially around some of these like micro tick 10 gig and some of these switches that are now, you know, before 10 gig, you were, you were talking, you know, getting up into the seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars for a switch. And now you're starting to get some smaller form factor ones that are, you know, maybe three hundred or, or four hundred dollars. So get a little bit more affordable on the 10 gig side. What about you? Would you make a jump from one to two two point five? 
on the on the networking or is that is that not enough of a jump right now because that seems to be the most affordable jump for, for yeah most people right would you make it, the jump? it definitely is and i actually thought about it um but i think when i was thinking about you know what i would be doing and spending my money i for me if i'm going to spend the money to upgrade i think i want to go all the way to 10 because i know i would get to 2.5 and then in through two to three years i'd be like oh now i want to get to 10 um 2.5 is is probably it would probably be totally fine for my needs, honestly. Um, but if I'm going to spend the money and now where 10 gig prices are at, I, you know, I, I don't think the actual jump from 2.5 to 10 is, is that much more anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they're kind of starting to get closer and closer together. Would you have you gone, are you still on gigabit or have you gone to 2.5? Still gig. Yeah. I, I do have a, I've got a machine with 2.5 in it. That's the only, it's the only thing in there. Right. And right. I, Right. Just, it's, I'm just not going to use it at this point because I got to replace everything with it. Do you think, would you go whole house on, on 10 or would you just like leave the server core, the important yeah. stuff on 10? What, what's your thoughts on that? I'd, I'd probably go, I think I would, all I need is probably like an eight port, uh, 10 gig switch and just do the main things. I would do my server. And we'll actually, we'll get to this, but I have, uh, technically, I have four servers now. Um, I would put all four of those on 10 gig. I would put this main machine that I edit all my video on because I would love to edit off my NAS, um, but you really need to have 10 gig for that. Um, and we'll get into another reason that I'm, I'm looking at 10 gig for some storage reasons um, here in a bit. But uh, no, I wouldn't do the whole house at all. I would keep mainly everything else on gig. I mean, all the ports that run to the rest of my house are running like media, right? It's Apple TVs. It's Android TVs, um, those sort of items. So no, I, I don't think I would. But I would, at the same time, I would upgrade to Wi-Fi 6E. That's another thing I've got my eyes on. I've you know been running the same Wi-Fi access points for probably the last five, six years now. Yeah. Now, I don't need much faster, right? But uh, it would be kind of fun to get close to you know, 700, 800 gigabit speeds over Wi-Fi compared to the 400 I'm getting now. The, the new box I built back in the winter of last year, as we were talking about, this has 6E, Wi-Fi 6E. It only pairs with the Oculus uh, MetaQuest 2, right? And I, I kind of bought it for that. I really hasn't, haven't used it very much to get that, you know, just to be honest, which kind of grinds my gears a little bit. I need to be doing more VR, but there's nothing to do for me in VR. It's, so anyways... Um, uh, so I haven't made that changeover. I feel like with Wi-Fi, that's going to be another one of those things where it's kind of router driven, you know, yeah. kind of like when I, I use that bit defender router, it works great. I've got some security built into it. I've got kind of a, I spend a hundred bucks a year for it, but it kind of does some things for me on the network that kind of keeps me and Sarah out of trouble from a, you know, from a phishing standpoint, some of those kinds of things. So yeah, that that's a good. I think it's a good discussion. It's like when do you go six E in the on your router on your Wi Fi? When do you go ten gig? You, you know, you could go ten gig for what do you think four five hundred bucks to do your yeah yeah definitely. I mean, you're the expensive part. The things that add up are the you know if you're not doing it over Ethernet. Um, it's the fiber runs, it's the transceivers to plug into those SFP plus ports. Um, so some of the little things I think can get you, you know, each one of those transceivers or a 10 gig network card, um, is going to be, you know, 40, 50 bucks used off eBay. So, um, yeah, I think $500 and you could be set up on 10 gig for a really small, you know, just eight port running to a few different servers. Can you do 10 gig on Ethernet? You can, can't you? You can. Yes, okay. you can okay. do 10 gig over Ethernet. Yep. It's just shorter runs and they, I think it's like Cat 6A 
is what you want for 10 gig, which when I ran my house, I did um, 5E. Is that what it is? Right, you know, yeah. way back in the day when I moved in, that's the cable I ran. So the good news is in this basement, this part that I'm in is not finished yet. And I can still run a wire into the server room. So I could do, I could run one just to this computer. And then all the servers obviously are in the rack. So that's yeah. not a problem for me. Yeah. But the um the the router Wi-Fi combo that's an interesting. I you know I forget sometimes uh that a lot of people still have their Wi-Fi and their router in one unit. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of one of the, the reasons I've kind of liked, you know, way back in the day when I went with PF Sense, which man, the media, I don't know if you've covered that story yet, just with all how PF Sense has been handling things lately. Uh who knows where I'll end up in a few months, but um still using a PF Sense box and then for me, replacing the access points is extremely easy. It's it's unscrew from the ceiling, plug a new one in, and it doesn't change in my routing. It's just the the, the Wi-Fi portion of that. Because I use two ubiquity access points that are mounted to the ceiling. Cable runs through the attic, down to the server rack. Um, I really do like having that separated, where one doesn't have to affect the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I do too. Um, just it it, it kind of works for me. It kind of works better that way. Oh, totally. Yeah, and um, you you still could probably run an Ethernet cord. And have separate access points and turn off the Wi-Fi portion of that Bitdefender box. Yeah. Right? Yes. That yeah. could still be the router. Yeah. And if you wanted to, it would be yeah. probably more of a hassle than it's worth. Yeah. No, but, I think uh, I'll swap the whole thing out. Um, yeah. uh, Dan just had said, Dan LeFebvre had said, I just had to replace his Wi-Fi mesh and went 6E. And yeah, I think you do now. It's a little more expensive. I think the prices are in line, though. It's really expensive Wi-Fi right yeah. now. Right. But it 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 it's not bad. We just Sarah was doing some moving around, some painting in the in the living room. There, did you know I went T Mobile? Right? Did you know from my internet yeah, yeah. I went T Mobile and we still liking that decision? Like, yeah, it's working great. Awesome. We haven't had had very little problems with it, and and so that also provides some options of Wi Fi connectivity because I could connect there, I could connect to the Bitfender box, or I could I yeah. could go directly to that uh, to the to the router on that. So that gives me another option, but. It's not the, you know, it's not serving anything here in the house except the internet. And so that passes that through. So it, it gives me, it gives me some options. So, yeah. well, uh, cool. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you've been documenting your home lab. We you just mentioned a whole bunch of stuff. You've always, always been to this, maybe the third or fourth iteration of it, but how are you doing it now? Yeah. And man, how many years ago, Jim, did we start talking about, oh, it's a good idea to document your whole home lab, you know, in the case, not that anyone would take over what I do, but, you know, let's say if I accidentally, you know, if something happened to me and I passed away and someone, you know, could come in and say, okay, I'm willing to help you, Hannah, but where did Mike leave off and all this stuff? So my goal has been documenting. But what's funny is that's not where I started on this journey. What it started with is I've been really into open source projects, right? Jellyfin being the biggest one. I have been switching over to Jellyfin from Plex for my media. Um, So really just getting into a lot of open source. I'm like, man, I would love to learn to be a developer and to contribute to some of these projects. And I was like, well, Mike, the first thing is I don't even know what Git is. Like, you know what GitHub is. And I know, I've heard of this Git thing, um, but I have no idea what Git is. I don't know how it works. I don't know what a pull request is. Um, I just have no idea how that technology works. So one of those nights went down the YouTube rabbit hole of just learning all about Git. Um, and I was like fascinated. I was like, okay, I'm not a developer. I know nothing about how to code, but like, this is really, really cool. And so I wanted to kind of start playing around with it and just, you know, okay, can I make that work? And can I do a commit and ooh, okay. And just kind of learn. Um, but I needed a practical way and a reason to learn it without being a developer. So what I decided was, um, you know, th- 
reading through a lot of the YouTubers, the tech YouTubers now are using their GitHub pages as kind of a resource. They'll put a link in the description of the video saying, hey, if you want to check out you know, the code I used or my documentation or my show notes, they're actually using GitHub, which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I've been needing to document my network. I want to learn Git. What if I just do both at the same time? And I use a Git repository for essentially the documentation of my entire network. And it has been an extremely fun journey, uh, both frustrating uh, in the sense that, first of all, I don't like documenting, and then I have to now do it in Markdown, which is just a total pain in the butt. Um, But it's been fascinating to learn. So when I was starting to do this, I started, I created a repository and account on GitHub. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And then it kind of shifted for me where I'm like, hmm. I don't really want this public facing at all. I want this completely private. And I know GitHub has private repositories, but I'm like, I want this completely private, like housed within my house. And so I started looking for self-hosted ways to do GitHub. And there are, there's GitLab, which is a fully self-hosted, you spin up a Docker container, you're running GitLab, but it's extremely resource intensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes up a lot of RAM. And for me, it's just sitting there hosting my documentation. So I don't want something running that heavy. Uh, so I stumbled upon um, Gitty or Gitt. I don't know how it is. It's G-I-T-E-A, almost like a cup of tea, right? So there's Gitty. Um, and it is a very slim down, easy to run GitHub repository that you can self-host. And it has been a ton of fun to spin that up on Docker. It uses very, very little resources, but it operates just like GitHub. So even the address, you know, you can use actually the GitHub application, just like if you would be pushing commits or things to GitHub, it can just push it to Git T. Um, and so that to me was kind of this moment of number one, you know, guys like us, Jim, we love projects and learning new things. And this was just a way and another rabbit hole I could go down. Um, but I'll share my screen here real quick, just to kind of show you guys in general what this can look like. So let me share this tab. So it looks, if you guys have ever been on GitHub, I mean, this looks just like a GitHub repository. Um, But what I've done here is I have started to go down into essentially my home lab documentation. So I'm starting to put in hardware, the network I'm using. So I'm breaking it down into hardware, and then I'm going to go into software next. And what I want to do is as you click around, making it very linkable. And so when you get down to, you know, the Unraid portion, we can go to the Unraid summary and it'll start to link everything out. And so this actually is a, I took my GitHub version that I'm starting to use for YouTube and I pulled it over here about three weeks ago to start doing it in private. Um, But just a really fun way, Jim, to start getting into how to fully document and it works with my brain. Like my brain is here's the overview page that just pops up and then let me drill down and click onto the different categories. So if I go into um, Proxmox or Docker, so like the Docker configs that I use, so I can go in and see, oh, I forgot, what? how do I, what's my Docker compose for Nginx? It's right here. Here's my one source really of truth. what it's good at. This yes. putting in, right, these kinds of configs, this is really where that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just been, and I won't scroll too far because I can't remember if I have passwords in here, but in general, you guys get the idea of um, it's those things that you have in notes everywhere of like, especially if let's say you accidentally nuked your, one of your dockers, you're like, oh, I need to spin that up, but what config did I have for it? It's just all here. And again, the idea being that 
one of my techie friends, if they came in, hopefully when I'm all done with this in 10 years, whatever document is going to take me forever, but they could really get a good sense of, of what's all running. They'll understand my hardware, how it all connects. And, and it's just a, a fun way to start documenting. And if you haven't played around with Git, it's a, it's a really cool way to learn Git as well. Yeah. It, we've been doing some estate planning, which just means getting our will, you know, this surgery kind of made me think twice about like, where do I put stuff and where are my passwords? And do we have, you know, do, do we have, does, could Sarah get into my Bitwarden account if she needed to? Is she still using LastPass? She's not going to leave LastPass. So like, and, and, and likewise, I need to know how to get to her stuff, right? Type deal. So this is a good, I mean, I think Mike, the, the thing I learned as we started going about this process is you have this temptation to think you got to get it done in a weekend, you know, you're like, I got to start and I got to so get true. this done. And I think it's just one of those, you mentioned this, look at you're, you're not going anywhere. We hope tomorrow. Right. So you've got time. Now, that being said, you need to keep working on it. But it, I think it's one of those kinds of things where you just can keep slowly like, oh, hey, I'm working on the Unraid box. Oh, I'm in doing this. Let me grab that and add it to the repository. I think yes, where this repository makes sense is it allows you to organize it in a way, like you said, that makes sense to you. Right? Yes. I mean, it kind of makes sense to your brain. Um, it, the hard part is, is thinking somebody else has to read this thing. Yep. Right. That's the hard part. Have you, have you thought about that as you're writing, as you're writing the code, like, okay, I better document even the config so they know what these things mean. Have you, have you gone out that far? Yeah. And it, it actually, it's a fun challenge because you're totally right. As you're writing it and as you're documenting, you start to do it in the way your brain thinks. And you're like, ooh, no one's going to understand what that means. To the point where I was actually, I'm looking back through all the other things I have in here. I'm like, oh, I know my net, my IP addresses in my head. Like, I just know what my own raid box is, right? 10.0.1.50. Like, I just know. <laughs> Internally, that's my IP address. No one else has that. Okay, so I pulled in the network table of all my static IPs, the description of what it is, the MAC address, so that just, okay, here's all the different things. The Proxmox boxes, the Unraid box. Um, if, you, if you're sitting at my Windows computer, this is what you're on. Yeah, all, all sorts of things there. And trying to put, like, this is what I'm having fun with, is like links in logical places. Okay, so if I'm on this network tab, where did I come from and what, what would I be going to next? And just having it all be very flow. It's almost like creating, I, I'm always envious of those people who can create like the Word documents or PDFs that have all the links and you you follow it almost like a website. Um, I love those. So that was why I started documenting a Word document a long time ago. I'm like, no, no one's ever going to sit through and just read that. Oh, flip to page 45 and an index. They're going to want it interactive. So that's why the, the repository kind of made sense. And the idea being too, if I ever, you know, if I get this to a point where it would be useful, I, I can, you know, do a reverse, pro make this more of a public repository that I share with very, you know, only certain individuals, right? Hey, right. I, I created a login for you on my Git server. Right. If anything ever happens, you can just log in from your house and kind of start to see. Because um, the main thing is my other part of this documentation is going to be a disaster plan of, okay, something's happened to Mike. Here's what you need to do. You need to get your Bitwarden passwords out. Hannah uses Bitwarden nuke plex and jellyfin who cares right like that service is just going away our next cloud server right there are documents in next cloud that hands going to want all of our tax documents are in next cloud so it's going to be a get it out get it somewhere that hannah can access it put it in her apple whatever she wants to use going forward icloud and then just turn everything off right no one's going to upkeep this so that's not really the idea the idea is where is the important stuff and how do we get to it 
Yeah. And I, I'm getting to the point now where I'm thinking I need to get that stuff to her today. Not she doesn't need to find it, but I'm to that point. <laughs> you'll hear a story maybe at the end of the program where I'm thinking like, no, it needs to be today actually, because I don't want somebody that I'm close enough. I'm still a long ways away statistically. Right. But it is one of those things I'm kind of thinking, okay, how do we have a shared space? We just, we, for her work, we just, I just purchased a office 365 or Microsoft 365 subscription where we get kind of shared, shared stuff and resources. And I've been thinking like, all right, I got it. I might as well in, in under the family plan, I might as well share, set up some shared resources in an area that she can get to and start moving that stuff in now. Yeah. So that it's, uh, that it's there for. So, um, yeah. What about, what about your unraid? Are you, you still, you've, you've, you've alluded to this, but what w- what are you thinking? Is that, is that working for you? What else are you thinking? Yeah. Well, y- you know, we, we get these wild hairs and we go in these trends, right? So a few years ago when I was building the Android box, I was all about, I had all these weird machines in my rack and in this room and I wanted to consolidate, right? One beefy server, save power, turn off the 10 machines, make it into one machine and just have one powerhouse. And I loved that. Well, and then that gets boring because it just works and it's great and it's awesome. And you're like, okay, how can I break this? What, what's what's wrong with this? Um, but what spawned was there were a few times I just, I needed to take the Unraid server down, add a hard drive, you know, do certain things. I wanted to replace the CPU in it. Um, there was one time I was adding a new HBA card, just little stuff. Well, when you take that down, the main annoyance, and it was the wife approval factor, was Home Assistant would go down because that's running on that box. And all of a sudden, she's walking into the laundry room and the lights don't turn on. And the TV, I'm like, I have this stupid issue with my TV. And so I have to have like an IR blaster that's triggered by Home Assistant to turn the thing off. And like, so the TV wasn't turning off. And so if I ever wanted to do that sort of things, I would be rushed and I would make mistakes. I'd be like, oh, I got to have Home Assistant only down for 10 minutes. Um, my password manager, right? That was not online when Unraid is down. So um, what I started to think about was when does it make sense? And this is kind of a, actually a YouTube video I'm probably going to be coming out with soon is when do you start thinking about having more than one server, right? When, when you start running enough services that maybe a second or a third server might start to make sense. So um, from that was, that was the, you know, the path I went down was, okay, I want to start having a, a secondary server that can take some of these services, put them over there. And I, I, I call them kind of like mission critical services where really I should have no reason that I need to open up that box, do anything, unless something dies. I'm not upgrading the hard drive. I'm not upgrading anything. It's just a machine that is going to run 24-7 like a tank forever. Um, so I started thinking about that. And uh, as I started to plan out, okay, well, what do I want that machine to be? Um, I have that Dell R210 that I have had forever in my rack. And my Dell R210 used to be my PFSense box. Um, and it was my PF Sense box when I was thinking about all this. And uh, it just so happened I'd been watching YouTube videos about the Zima Blades. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the Zima Blades. They're great little single board computers with a PCI slot on them, which is really nice. You can add a network card in. And so ordered a Zima board, got a network card, and that became PF Sense, and that freed up my Dell R210. And um, this being an opportunity now, you know, everything for me has to be, I got to learn something new that I haven't tried before. Uh, And Proxmox is um, essentially an operating system that I have been fascinated by for a long time. It is great for running VMs, um, certain containers, and I want to give it a try. And it's open source and it's it's free. So uh, I went and I fired up Proxmox on that Dell R210. So I thought about using Unraid, but for me, this, this, 
this is going to have one hard drive and one SSD in it. And I don't need something like Unraid and didn't want to pay a license for it. Um, and I hadn't, I had learned Proxmox before. So I, I fired up Proxmox on the Dell R210 and put uh, initially just one VM on it. I ran an Ubuntu server VM running Docker. And I just started moving over some of the Docker containers from Unraid that made sense to host over there. So I moved over um, things like my my uh, my dashboard, Heimdall, right? I used the Heimdall dashboard. I moved over Grafana and I moved over InfluxDB and just some of these things that need to always be on. <clears throat> and then finally, I moved the uh, Home Assistant VM also over to this machine. So I was like, sweet, now I'm in Nirvana, right? Now I have solved everything. My Unraid box, I can take off and Home Assistant's still on and my Bitwarden, I had moved that over in that Docker container as well and I'm all good. But then you start to learn about really cool features that Proxmox can do and you get bit by this bug of, ooh, okay. So what I started to want to do was I saw everyone doing clustering of multiple Proxmox servers and when you cluster, you can start to build certain services that can be high availability. So if I rip the plug out of one server, the service just picks up on another. And I had no idea the pain I was going to cause myself by going down this rabbit hole of having high availability. Um, but I wanted to try it. So uh, I pulled out, I had this old Dell Optiplex uh, sitting in my storage room that hadn't been turned on in probably six years. Uh, but I was like, ooh, because to have a cluster in Proxmox, you need at least three nodes. So to have Quorum, you need three. Well, the Zima board, I put Proxmox on and then put PFSense there. So I virtualized Proxmox. So that way I could at least, okay, so there's one. The Dell R210 is two. And I pulled out this old Dell Optiplex to have three. And I clustered them all together. So now... When you, when you cluster them together, originally all you really get is all three servers in one interface. So you can power on, create VMs all from kind of one dashboard, which is really nice. Um, I thought, you know, not knowing anything about high availability, high availability, I'm like, oh, well, that'll just work, right? Like if Proxmox turns off, it goes over to the Dell Optiplex. Very naive thought because I hadn't thought through anything like, oh, well, where is that VM stored? Where's the hard drive? Well, the hard drive is on that box. So if that box is down, there's no high availability. Well, for those of you who have messed with Proxmox long enough, if you know it, you know the next thing I tried and you know the pain I went through <laughs> uh, with having a small setup. But there's this thing called Ceph storage, C-E-P-H. And Ceph is a fascinating technology and it is fantastic. Um, essentially what Ceph is, is it is distributed network storage. So what I mean by that is if you think of my system where I have a Zima board, I have a Dell R210, I have an Optiplex, I have storage hard drives in all those machines. What Ceph does, it essentially connects all of those as if they are kind of one unit um, and they use kind of a, a network to do so. But with Ceph, um, it is it's a fascinating technology and it's amazing if you do it right when you are a home lab with gigabit ethernet um, and only one hard drive per node it's it's a little bit of a challenge but essentially the idea is is that with ceph when i store my vm on the dell r210 in the ceph pool if i pull dell it's got enough data on the other nodes it's almost like a right it's almost like raid it's got enough data from the other drives if you pull a drive that it can still rebuild and play so um, I went down the route of trying to set up Ceph and I disregarded all, all of the warnings on Reddit of, hey, if you have anything less than 10 gigabit Ethernet and if you don't have a separate network and if you don't have a minimum of three drives per node, 
do not, do not try this. Like you will get it up and running, but you will regret it. I'm like, no, <laughs> like it'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be great. I got I this. Total, I, I got, got this. You don't know what you're talking about. No, no. And originally I was like, well, I just want to spin it up to see if I can get it like proof of concept. I just want to understand the technology. I'm not going to use it. No, I would never use it. So, um, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. So I went through, like, I added a completely separate switch into my rack. I got second NICs for all the servers so that at least Ceph can run on its own network. Right. Um, and it was great, but it was it was gigabit. Um, I added in a bunch of hard drives, NVMe drives, SSDs. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Because literally, I ripped. So I had a Windows VM running my Blue Iris security software running on the Dell R210. It's like running. I pulled the plug. I saw it blip for like two seconds and it was already back up and it had moved it over to the Optiplex. Cool. So like that was just fat. Yeah. When you're, when you're a home lab or when you don't work in it, like being able to do that and you get it set up and it works. I was like, Oh, that is, that's really cool. That was really cool. Um, long story short with that, it is a, it, I, if any of you want to try it, I do recommend trying it, but just know you're not going to use it. Cause essentially with all that setup, everyone was right. The speeds are just really, really slow. Um, when you only have one hard drive per node and if you're using gigabit. So what I was doing was I was essentially on my blue Iris machine. I was writing all the data from all my security cameras to the Ceph pool. Um, that way that, that, that VM could move around wherever it wanted to. Um, the, but as you, as I was using the machines, even just to go back and delete some footage would take, I'm not joking, like 10, 15 minutes just to delete like a gig file. Uh, so it's, that is no fault of the technology. It's the fault of me not using the technology like it's meant to. Well, massive overhead, right? And there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, monitoring, watching, anticipating, moving all, there's just giant overhead. Yeah. Right. There is. You cause an out an outage, it goes into action. Yeah. You can't be you can't be doing stuff while the outage is ha- not with your setup, right? The, like you right. said, designed for much uh much more robust networks. Yeah, you need you need multiple nodes, right? You need 10 nodes, 20 nodes, 100 nodes, right? This is meant for the enterprise, uh, not meant for my tiny lab. But it was really cool that I get, it's, it was working, right? Yeah, now, yeah, if, yeah. I, all, if all I had done was replace the switch with a 10 gigabit and hooked it up by a 10 gigabit, I bet I would have had even a better experience. And then if I would have added a few more hard drives, even better experience. Um, I'm not using ECC RAM, those sort of things. These boxes, since they're old, don't have a lot of RAM. And it does, you know, Ceph needs a, a decent amount of RAM to to run. Uh, but overall, it was, it, oh, and, and Kevin mentions, and he's totally right, most Ceph clusters are 100 gigabit, right? <laughs> and so me trying to run this on one, Kevin's probably the one just like laughing available right now. Yeah, right? high availability. And yeah, well, but, know, but that was really it. cool. You tried and it. it. And it, and yeah, and it, like, it worked. I was like, I have never been able to do that before. Just like yank a plug and watch it just like, just go to the other yeah. server. That yeah, was, yeah. It was fascinating. Well, I mean, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, I mean, just this week. So like I got a firm, you know, I bought a Blue Yeti, uh, a Blue Yeti um, AC 180 as the kind of my, I think you were gone when, when I was doing this, but so as my network UPS for everything down here now, that is running off of this AC 180 and, you know, I'm feeling all smug about it and I'm like, oh man, this thing is awesome. And, it's it does great. I've unplugged it several times, let the batteries run down and run it, put it back up. We had a 
network outage, um, or I mean, we had a power outage the other day across town that affected us on this side. It, the lights were flickering on and off. I'm like, hey, I am so smart, right? <laughs> so then I'm on the app the other day, and there's an upgrade. And there's an upgrade for the, for the firmware. And you're like, you know, can I let that upgrade, that firmware sit there? No. No, right? definitely yeah. not. Once you've seen it, it needs to happen. But you can't update it unless you take all the computers down, right? Mm. It doesn't allow you to run a, fir- it resets the batteries, right? When you're doing the firmware upgrade. And it got me thinking, I don't have a redundant, I don't really have redundant power down here. Thinking about, I should probably have something in front, you know, in front of that, that could take a 10 minute, well, it's, you know, like a 10 minute power outage. It's those UPSs I just got rid of. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, like. That's what I could have used those for. Huh. You know? Yeah. I probably could have put those in front of the, you know, the boxes. And then you're like, well, they weren't pure sine wave, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't really matter. They, they worked for a thousand years without them being that way. But it it's interesting as you think about this, you know, you're like, okay. Yeah, it's all good. It's all great that I've got an Unraid box. I built one too last year. Got I think the last time we chatted, I spun one up right after I spent some yeah. time with you. I too have Home Assistant on there. And and it's all awesome until that box doesn't work anymore. Right. You know? And so yeah, as you think about clustering, it would be nice to have an easier way to run, to be able to run Unraid. And maybe there is. I haven't looked into this a lot. Now I'm going to have to. Dang it. Thank you, Uyghur. Of course. That's what I'm here for. High availability between the two in a way that's simple where one is replicating to the other. Yeah. That traditionally has been very hard. That's right. That's been a very hard problem to solve. Replication has been really, really hard. It definitely is. And that's the one thing. So with all that said, I, I took down the Ceph network, right? Um, I... Man, I like it's goals now to be able to build like Kevin. Like I would love to get just a like a and apparently you can actually do mesh networking with Ceph. You don't need a big switch. Like if you have a certain amount of nodes, you can just direct connect them with wires and they'll create their own little mesh network. So I have plans in the future of trying this again and really doing it because I just think Ceph is insanely cool. But without so I took down Ceph and now they're just all running. All the VMs are on their own local storage. The cool thing about Proxmox though is though. Because I have three and because they still are a cluster, what you can do, even without Ceph, is you can migrate a VM from one machine to the other while it's running. So my I have my one Docker, you know, Ubuntu server. And the other day I wanted I got new RAM came in for the Optiplex. Oh, so I just went to Proxmox. I said migrate. Now that takes time because it has to transfer the entire VM file over and the memory, but it never goes down. And within 10 minutes, that VM is now running on my Dell. So I can power it down. When I turn it back on, I just clicked migrate again and migrate it all the way back. There, Those sort of features I thought were really cool with Proxmox um, and, and having that avail- availability. And then, so what I did actually was I run the Prox. So Proxmox has an offering too called Proxmox Backup Server. So Proxmox Backup Server, you can run as a VM on appliance. So what I did was I actually installed Proxmox Backup Server as a VM on Unraid. So all my Proxmox boxes every night, they will back up all their VMs over to the Proxmox backup server, which is running on Unraid because there's a bunch of storage over there. And then you can, right now, it would take me you know, only five minutes to completely nuke my PFSense VM, 
and then pull it back from a backup. And it does snapshots. It's doing that every night. Or I could go to a totally different machine. I could set up a whole new Proxmox box and say, hey, go pull that backup because that's the exact VM I have it configured exactly the way I want. So there's a lot of fun flexibility that I found out from Proxmox. Um, but I, I will say after playing with it for a while, I would never use just Proxmox alone as like a NAS solution. Unraid for me is still leaps and bounds, just like my favorite NAS solution. Um, people who run Proxmox, they typically will do like a true NAS VM. What I was actually thinking would be kind of interesting is, I don't know if there'd be ever a need for it, but you could virtualize Unraid in Proxmox if you really wanted to. Um, but Unraid is still my beefy powerhouse. And now I'm just having fun with moving some of my other services around just for convenience sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've seen my power draw and I'll probably be back to consolidating next year. Who knows? <laughs> right. Because I'm like, ooh, these three more servers running, especially a Dell R210 and an old ones, they suck some power. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, even having, you know, I have some access to the notes that you sent over, but if you've gotten bit by the small PC or the small server bug, and it sounds like you have, right? I mean, and I think that's kind of the key to this virtualization uh, uh, redundant clustered uh, for the home user is a small, inexpensive uh, with some storage attached to them that sit in a cluster and -hmm. they're not drawing a ton of power right all the time but yeah uh, get a few nooks and running like a kubernetes cluster kubernetes yeah. is another thing i want to learn and again it's an it's just like ceph people say if you're not doing kubernetes for a job and you don't need to learn it don't put yourself through the pain of running it in a home lab <laughs> but that's like that's almost tempting me like when people say don't do it i'm like i want to i want to do it now challenge. so I, yeah you're like challenge accepted challenge right? accepted right like i, I want to do it um but it, i think what i've learned throughout all of this is that restoring from a backup for everyone home lab is much more practical, much easier, much less hair pulling out than trying to figure out high availability. Just have good backups and know your process for if that machine goes down, can I, within 20 minutes, can I have everything back up and running on a different device? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's much more practical. Now, the learning side of it was an absolute blast, right? Like that's, if you've never learned Ceph, fire it up, see if you can do it. And actually, w- what I would suggest though is play around with Ceph what I'm actually, I'm doing this for a YouTube tutorial I'm making. Create just three Proxmox VMs on a machine you already have. So, like Jim, for example, in Unraid, you could spin up three Proxmox VMs and pretend like they are on separate hardware and then cluster them in a fake network. Create, give them virtual disks that you're going to use as your Ceph. You could just virtualize us all just to learn how it all works and it'd be much more painless than the way I was trying to use actual hard drives and yeah. get a whole new switch. And and so you could have some fun if you want to learn the technology by just completely, you know, virtualizing this. You need it. some power behind it. You still need yeah. a box. You still need a pretty healthy box. Yeah. Like some folks have put their PFs or not PFSense. They've put their uh, Unraid on a fairly low speed, you know, cause you're like, oh, it's just storage and it's just going to do not everybody. But uh, it probably needs a little horsepower to be able to do some of those things. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It got me thinking. I probably won't do. I probably will not chase you on that. (laughs) Uh, Not at this point. Anyways, just because I'm. I'm, I, too, am thinking about some consolidating some things. Do I really need all those PCs running? Do I really need all these things happening? Do I? You know, do I really, I, I too, uh, shut some things down for a 
about a month over over uh, Thanksgiving and it was quiet down here. And you're like, huh, do I really need that? And then post-surgery, I got bored. So I fired them all back. Out. Right. <laughs> have you ever, um, speaking of that, have you ever played with the Apple content caching on now that you run a Mac full time in the house? Um, do is it just you on the iPhone or do other people in the house have just iPhones? Me and me and Sammy. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, one thing that I totally forgot existed, it's been around forever. Um, and almost every, you know, business uh, has one of these. But essentially, there is content caching on the Mac. And it's a simple just turn on. You go into settings, like I think it's under sharing. Um, and essentially, it becomes like a cache server for all the iOS updates, app updates, so that when, you know, if you need an update to Facebook and you hit it first, it slurps it down, stores it on the hard drive. And then when Sammy requests that Facebook update, it's not going out to the internet. It's pulling from your Mac. It's, it's kind of a, it's a weird voodoo on how easy it's a one click. Cause like I've played around with land caching before for like steam and games, which can get really complicated. You have to mess with DNS and you have to do all these different changes with the Mac. It's like, I don't know how they're doing this, but it's very, very fascinating. And it, it actually works really well. Like I can, Within the first two days, I think I had 10 gigs of content that had been cached where, because Hannah and I have a lot of the same apps and we have our iPhones, we both have iPads, we have two Macs in the house. So there's just a lot of stuff that's pulling from the Apple servers. It kind of a, if, if, if you have a Mac mini in the house that's running, turn it on, right? Because it's like, there's yeah. no harm, no foul of just yeah. not having it do it. It's kind of yeah. cool. It's so, <laughs> there used to be a service for Windows for that, where you could get all the Windows updates and it would store them for you there. And I forget, I can't even remember the they name. They need to bring that back if they did, because that's the so biggest pain of is always, you know, re-downloading all the yeah, updates. Uh, yeah, all the updates for Windows and such. But uh, now I kind of, you know, in the modern era, I'm kind of like, you know, I have them set. They remind me, hey, it's time to, you know, time to reboot. And I don't, I don't worry about it too much. And with unlimited T-Mobile, with the with our iPhones both being on T-Mobile, we have a tower right here. We have great um, 5G ultra ultra wide. You're just kind of like, no, it'll just come down when it's ready. It's fine. I don't, I haven't. I That's haven't a good point. It. Yeah. With yeah. internet speeds where they're at, you know, everything's yeah. so instant and without caps. But what I was, what you got yeah. me actually just thinking about is, man, actually, I should just move that down to the farm to my, my, my Hannah's parents' farm. They have really, really slow internet, <laughs> and right, like right, for right. them to download an app update, it takes forever. Yeah. And so, if you could save everyone else, if the first person was only slow and then everyone else was fast, um, or for example, when she is on her iPhone and then her iPad down there. So if she takes a photo or if she's uploading photos to the iCloud and then she has to download those again on the iPad, whereas the caching content can also do iCloud stuff. So we would store all of it there and you're not pulling it from the internet. That's a, that's yeah. a good point, Jim. That's, that's a good, good point good with internet speed. Cause it. here it doesn't matter, right? It's no one's going to, I'm not even another thing to it. go wrong. It's, you know? it's yeah. Another and more power running. Cause now it's a, cause literally what it was for me is that iMac that I used to even podcast on years ago. It was just sitting in the storage. I'm like, there's gotta be a use for that thing. too. Like, that's, you gotta get rid of that. Content stuff. caching. <laughs> you gotta get rid of that stuff. <laughs> I know it's just too easy to pull it. It's just too easy to pull it back. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Schoonover says uh, it's winter, Jim, heat your home with compute. I do actually a little bit. I mean, there's enough warmth coming out of this area that it's a little warmer here than it is in the rest of the house. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure that adds to the, the heat that's going on here. I'd kind of like a hot water heat pump working off that. I wish I could funnel all that heat into a heat pump, like, you know, and then have that heat to water because either 
in the winter or in the summer were still heating water. And so if it could capture that, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do all of it, but it would be inefficient. It would add to it, right? To be able to do it that way. Have you watched Linus Tech Tips videos about using his pool to cool his server room? I think I've seen You would the... just love this series because it, it's been going because it's a pain. But I, I mean, his idea was I have the server rack in my basement. Yeah. He builds manifolds so that he can water cool every piece. And then he essentially has built this contraption where it goes out to his pool runs through these underground lines. So it's the radiator, right? It's a huge, and it heats his, you know, he thought it was enough to heat the pool. It turns out it's not, but I mean, really, I mean, it's kind of your same idea, right? Like, man, if you could harness that heat for something good or find a cheaper way to cool it and his pool cools down all that water. Paul Brerin has a heat pump water heater. You know, it's a hybrid in his, in his place. And uh, yeah, I mean, all the heat, it can just only help. It's yep. gonna be there anyways, right? Part, right. I'm not dumping it to the outside. Um, uh, way back when, Jim Shoemaker said he wrote an emergency binder with key financial information. And go back to the beginning of your discussion. Oh, that's a great. Idea. Uh, what to do if I'm gone? Information. I'm kind of building one of those right now. I had one. I need to update it. We actually went and saw a lawyer, and we're damn lawyers, and we're getting. <laughs> oh, she's actually great. Um, we're getting all that stuff updated. But he says, you know, the account has password for my password manager kept in a current it's kept currently in their safety deposit box and so safe deposit box i always want to say safety deposit box but like daylight saving time it's safe deposit box not it's not safety. savings time it's saving oh okay. yeah daylight saving because you're saving time yeah that's yeah. that was the whole idea yeah but we say everybody says daylight savings i yeah i always yeah. add the s to it yeah, yeah. No, everybody always does i took yeah. me until this year <laughs> to start changing that like, now I should probably say that right. All right, student scrubs coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Uh we've we've talked about doing something like that. As I've been getting back into YouTube a little bit, and I've been I have I've been a lot better at making videos, getting them in the hopper, and then slowly releasing them instead of just releasing right away. But Hannah, i she's like, I kind of got that itch. We should do something like that. But every time we do, we say, What night of the week are we gonna do that? We're like, Oh yeah. None of them. <laughs> we both like our sleep. And by the time we get home from all the stuff. So no, probably not anytime soon, but maybe, maybe. Hannah's been kind of famous lately. Uh, I mean, she, it, on Facebook, I've been watching her get some awards and like, she, she's killing it. I mean, she, that, that, well, I don't know how I got her. I don't know how I snagged her. And you know, I just, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she got um, alumni of the decade at College of St. Mary where she went to school and, and I've just been super proud of her and everyone yeah. at work just, and yeah, congrats. just been doing great congrats stuff. To her. Yeah. Congrats to her. Couldn't, ha- couldn't happen to anybody better. I mean, she's a great mom, good friend. <sighs> she's the best. Great te- I don't know why she likes you. I, I don't enough. either. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> The, the the secret's gonna be out sometime where she's gonna be like, "Why am I with you?" You know? Uh, no, no, it's 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 all good. She just seems like uh, things are things are all uh, going well for you guys. And yeah, yeah, lots of opportunities. Always good to catch up on some of your tech and some of the things that are going on. Some things to think about, Mike. I think well, let's reverse the roles really quick. I want to I want to spend a little time talking about health my my health situation. A lot of folks yeah. had surgery on Monday. So if you have, if you want to stop me for any questions in there thinking about, and we'll, we'll spend maybe 10 minutes or so chatting about this, uh, just to catch people up to date. Can we do that? Are you okay? Definitely. 
Yes, for sure. So m- most of you know, I went in for prostate surgery on Monday. Uh, I have a giant, I had <laughs> a giant prostate. And I, and that's not just me saying that. I, I When I first learned of that, I said, well, but size matters, right? And they said, well, not that size. <laughs> right. That's a, God, the one chance I had, and I blew <laughs> it with the wrong thing, right? Yeah. So, uh, so every, every person who is looking at my charts during pre-surgery for this thing, when they would see how big my prostate was, they'd go, Oh, and I'm like, I'm right here. Like I can hear you use your inside voice. If you're going to, you know, comment on my prostate. Well, for, okay. So first thing I didn't know there was like a size component to prostates. I knew there yeah. like, there were levels and everything, but I thought that was more of the chemistry, but there, there is a size component. I yeah. Didn't know there's that. a size component. They're okay. the size of a walnut. And the bigger, okay. of course, the bigger they get is they, with most men, they swell over time. They just get bigger. It's just okay. part of us getting older. In a lot of ways, they can become cancerous. That'll play a little part into the story here a little bit. Okay. Um, very treatable cancer. Uh, very, um, you know, it's a very solvable problem. But as they got bigger, of course, your urinary tract, your urethra runs right through the center of it and it starts cutting that out. In my case, I had a little, uh, another little node that was acting like a ball valve. And it, as it would get, as it would tighten up, it would come off the, the urethra. Oh. As it relaxed, it would sit on top of it. So during the mornings after I took medicine, it was just fine. As the day would progress, it would bloop. And then the evenings, I'm standing there for a while. If that, if, if, you know, you're like, yeah, <sighs> right. They were really worried uh, that the, the bladder, so this all sits in front of the bladder, right? And so they re- they were really, really worried that my bladder muscles would burn out from pushing so hard all the time. Gotcha. That was the concern. That's why okay. I had the surgery, right? Okay. Just, just afraid. Just afraid. No cancer. They, we've been tested twice, and it's been negative each time. But they're gonna. They were gonna get a sample for this too. So it, it worked out that way. So he. Uh, so laser surgery. They go in and do a partial. Took about seventy percent of my prostate, and I went. When then I went. Whoa! And he goes, "Well, you did have a lot." And I said, "Again, I'm right here." <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Right. I, I get it. I get, I had a, I had a big prostate. Um, may have been the easiest part. I was under for three hours. Some super cool tech uh, goes into all that. Now it's super. I was at Bergen Mercy here in town at uh, 72nd street. They did a nice job. Lots of great stuff. They do a lot of technology going into OR now. I guess it's been a while since I went into OR. It's a freaking, it's awesome. Like there's just cool machines everywhere. That doesn't freak you out at all? No. no. Okay. So you you got a vibe on it. Okay. I I was feeling pretty good because they, is there really, they put some stuff in the line and you're like, Hey, you want to marry me? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of thing. And they're like, you're not going to remember any of this. And they were right. I remember looking at the OR table and thinking, I wonder if they're going to need my help to get over there. That's the last thing I remember. Right. So three hours of surgery, um, uh, laser, they cut it out a hundred grams of material that they pulled out that, yeah, that to pull out and have tested and uh, no cancer, uh, which is always, which is the, which is the best news. Now he, he caveats that, that part of the prostate he took out, that's not generally where cancer is found, but I just have less cancer. I just have less prostate now for, uh, for cancer to grow on. So uh, I'm okay with that. Um, surgery was successful. I was out by Tuesday. Some, some of you who listen to this maybe saw it on Facebook or uh, uh, such, but out by Tuesday, very few problems, no side effects. I have to learn to go pee again. And some, it's not, it's not as good as it was. 
going to the bathroom is awesome. <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't had that experience since I was like 20. You know, you're like, whoa, <laughs> hello. I could stand back six feet. <laughs> right. My name on the wall. Yeah. Like, stop it. I got to clean that. But, uh, oh. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, no, that that's so, function functioning while we can. Go ahead. So does a surgery like this, does it, do you have to make any lifestyle changes after no. based off with it? No, just, no, okay. no, there's just, yeah, they're just like, Hey, you need to let it heal for, you know, four to six weeks. Right. It's, you don't change diet or like nothing, no, you know? Okay. No. And no, in fact, I'm on less meds that I was on before I was on, oh, on, that's probably um, a good thing. I was on, uh, let's see if I can remember the name of these two, uh, Flomax to help tighten up or, or loosen up, depending on how you approach it, the, the, to get more flow and then Flomax, obviously that's the reason why they named it that ProScar was the other one to kind of shrink, to try and shrink it down some. Neither one of them, I mean, they were getting less and less effective, which is kind of why. And the bladder was showing some some signs of of damage. And so they were like, okay, now's the time to get this done. Um, no. So the, the surgery itself, the catheter was the hardest part. They put a catheter in. And gentlemen, that sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. That is just awful. Did if you do that when you're awake? No, that went in when I was asleep. Oh, but then no, it's but, still in there when you wake it's up. It's still in there when you wake yeah. up. Yeah, I had to have it for that evening, or for that evening and that morning. Yeah, in, in a bag, and and you kind of you know oh, that makes me kind of hurt a little bit. Yes, it should. Yeah, because <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's super uncomfortable. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Jim says Flomax reduces blood flow to the prostate to shrink it. Yeah. So, um. It, uh, uh, yeah. So they, the, and then when they pull that, that's an interesting experience when they take that out that you're, you're very awake for that, for oh. that part of it. Ooh. And you're like, I think I yelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope that wasn't too loud. Doctor honestly did not care. He was, he was busy doing his rounds and getting things done. And, and does Tony yeah. sum it up pretty well? He says, you, he, yeah. you'll feel a little pressure like a Mack truck through a tunnel. <laughs> You say pressure hurts like hell. <laughs> that's a Brian Regan skit, by the way. That, it's not it's not original to me. That that was all fine. Uh, it wasn't until Sunday that I got food poisoning and ended up in the bathroom, you know, doing what you do when you have food poisoning. And then it was a horrific night. Um, I thought maybe I'd had some internal bleeding because I was so sick. And, uh, uh, you know, the sweats and the shakes and the uh, the pain here in your chest and I couldn't breathe. And I, I, after the second round, I had Sarah call 911 and we had the paramedics come out. The line of the night, though, best line of the whole night was when the paramedic looks at me and he goes, "Are I, he goes, I don't mean to sound mean, but are you always this pale? <laughs> what the, I, I, first of all, how would I know? So what am I looking in the mirror? Yeah. I'm on sitting. I don't know. I'm, Hand me a mirror. Let me see how. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's. I'm in the bathtub with my head. There's probably vomit in my in my you know in my beard. And do you always look this pale? And uh, I just looked at him and like, come on, dude. I was so sweaty. The uh, the uh, Tony will appreciate this. The they did an EKG on me, and none of the things would stick. <laughs> they put them on me. They'd fall off. So at one point I was holding like four of them so they could get the EKG, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. cause they'd fall off. The guy'd have to come back in the bathroom, put it on, you know, reach over. I felt bad for the guy. So I'm holding these, these leads on and EKG was strong. Heart looked good. Lungs were fine. Blood pressure was normal. 
mean, I had one, I'm going through trauma, Mike, and I had a 130 over like 85. And they're just like, dude, you're you're fine. Like, they didn't say it that way. They said, sir, you are fine. Did you have any doubt like, at all? Like, are you guys sure? Like, do you want to yeah, take this in case? Die. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. I, it was probably I, hard it, to believe yeah, at that point when you're one, feeling that yeah, bad. Couldn't catch my breath. Just, I was like, this is it. I'm going to die throwing up in my bathroom. You know, this is not the way you want to go. And what what I just wanted to make sure is one, I wasn't in shock. And two, I didn't have internal bleeding. And three, that my heart wasn't about to explode, right? Once I knew all those things, uh, yeah, the electrodes, uh, Tony says, once I knew all those things were fine, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to die here. It's going to suck, but I'm not going to die here. And, and it gives you a little bit more confidence. They're like, so do you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, no, in the hospital, it's not going to be as easy for me to get around. You're going to want to, you're going to want to do some things and stick some things in me. I'm like, I, I think I'll just be okay. We thought it was the flu at the time. Sammy and I had had the same meal and she was sick right alongside me, Mike. We were both, and everybody knows who listens. You guys know, Sammy. We were literally cycling together. We come out of, she come out of her bedroom. I come out of mine. She go to the back bathroom. I'd go to the front at the same time. And so we started thinking, a buddy of mine said, you probably was probably food poisoning. And we had both had the, we'd have both had the ha- the burger, the hamburger. Sarah had had the chicken. So I think it was the meat. It was awful. We made it through. That was, that was way worse than any surgery. Oh, yeah. but just having yeah. it back to back too. So. So you've always been a, a really good advocate. I mean, even back when I was on the show, but just, you know, men go to the doctor, yeah. get your number, right. Yeah. Get all that yeah. was, was all of that stuff that kind of led up to you being able to kind of notice this and have them do yeah. things sooner rather than later. Yeah. It was actually at a home server show meetup where I started having these symptoms of not being able, like the really urgent going to the bathroom while I was driving out there. And okay. Wasn't consistent, but but in talking with Dave and Sandy, and Sandy's like, okay, when you you get back, you need to go see a urologist. And so it was then going into my doctor, getting a complete physical, getting a prostate exam, and he's like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. We're gonna we're gonna. He goes, it's definitely enlarged. They don't okay. they didn't feel any nodules, but they were like, it's definitely enlarged. That started the process like seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. Okay. So they have been monitoring me. You know, we did, we've done a couple biopsies. We put me on ProScar and Flomax to try and shrink it. Um, keep checking PSAs. This wasn't one of those, which is nice. This wasn't one of those situations where I got in there and the doctor's like, let's cut it out. <laughs> like he was like, hey, let's give it some time. You're young. Let's give right. it some time. Let's try some things. Let's see what works out. Um, but that definitely is part of the, uh, part of staying. I mean, I could have avoided this. My, when I was talking to my sisters about this, they're like, Hey, do you think dad had this problem? And I said, do you think he would have told anybody? Really? No. He did. He, had, he didn't talk about that kind of stuff. No, nah, he was, he was, I mean, he was a kid of the thirties. He's not, yeah. he's, they didn't even talk about that, that, you know, the, that, that any of those functions, right. Right. They, so, um, you know, it, 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 they, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he did. He just didn't, he just didn't talk about it. I mean, so good one, glad I caught it early, really glad. I mean, of course we're, we're very, very glad no cancer, uh, at this time. Right. Um, we'll, we'll continue to do PSA. That's the blood test you take to kind of see the size of the prostate. That should right now it'd be a thousand because my <laughs> prostate's been so disrupted. <laughs> so my body is just flowing with that right now. 
in six months, you know, we're hoping it'll be low. And by a year, we're hoping it'll be even lower. And then we'll see a downward. We'll kind of see a downward trend with that. But that's kind of the man, that's health management, right? That's right. partnering with your healthcare providers to have regular, you know, to have regular health care for what you need and making some changes. I mean, when I went in for my physical, the, the pre-op, they just did my regular physical. And my doctor was like, hey, big guy, uh, your cholesterol is up again. And I got you on the max cholesterol meds. You are going to need to do some things, you know, for your for your cholesterol and, and your health. And I'm like, well, I'm probably 40 pounds up. So <laughs> he's probably right. Right. Yeah, but right. those kinds of, those kinds of regular discussions, right. With your doctor, when you're in your thirties and early forties, you kind of think you're invincible and you know what you kind of are, you know, a little bit, but you know, the, our trainer at work, I can't remember if I was still doing the show and he was going through that, but our, our trainer at work is uh, two years older than me and went through prostate cancer last year. And it's just, so his whole thing. So, you know, he was a big advocate for, okay, you know, you're never too young to get checked out. And you were always saying that too. And so, yeah, I've just, I've just no, and I, so I, yeah, it's probably one of those things never, never too young, but it's yeah. funny. Like your, my insurance won't cover me to get an exam until I'm like 35, I think is yeah. when they start yeah. actually yeah. covering well, it. No, you, and it, generally, unless you're having any symptoms, you yeah. don't need it. Right. You don't need it. Generally in 40 is kind of some, and for some of them is kind of the ages, yeah. you know, 55. So it makes sense for me. Right. That message isn't as much for you, except you should be getting your regular, your regular physicals. Yeah. You should be getting the, the, the being proactive about your skin, right? You should be going in and have somebody looking at your skin just to be like, I just hey, did that for the first time this year. Man, was that a grand old time. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you need to, right? Yeah. I, as well, I was, what I did, they, they took two. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah, good thing we did. So yeah. Yeah. I got checked a couple years back and then I need to have another one. Sarah was like, oh, there's one on your back that looks kind of funny. We ought to, and it's just, it, in my insurance pays for it for the, for the, uh, uh, preventative maintenance stuff. They pay for all of that. Now, not all insurance. They really? Yeah. yeah they ours did not. hundred percent for all preventative stuff. Yeah, wow. It's pretty, it's pretty great. Uh, huh. But certainly check your benefits. Check that. Speaking of that, Tony says, uh, and you think the Drobo dollars stay to stay out of the hospital. Yeah, that did go through my mind. I'm like, you know, I could take an ambulance at $400 a mile. Right. And, and they're all out of network and you can't, you know, that, that's just cash you just pay. So I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll stay. And then more hospital bills. I've already met my deductible. So I wasn't too worried about that. But, you know, you're kind of like, you know. Brian says, yeah. No yeah. Kidding. What else do you want to get done before the end of the year? Right. Your deductible is all done. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, I'm going to go yeah. and have plastic surgery yeah. to look like Brad Pitt. That's okay. the next. Perfect. That's the next thing I'm going to do. So um, Tony says this patient, I feel sick. Wife, uh, 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 if my husband is here, he's really sick. Me, ma'am, if any man voluntarily comes to the hospital, he is sick. That and, uh, is there's, true. There's, there's some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, that, there's some truth to that. Uh, Mike, the hospital experience was great. And Tony, thank you for what you do in hospitals. I had some great folks uh, supporting me, uh, Jace, uh, Brittany overnight and Jason in the morning, who were who were good. When at three o'clock, when I'm like, can I walk around? Uh, you know, and she's a little shocked at first. And then I'm like, she's like, yeah, let's let's get you moving around. That's always a good sign. And so uh, Brittany helped me get out of bed and get it kind of rolling. But so we're on the mend. Things are back. Things are good. Appreciate all of you who had positive, uh, sent positive vibes and all those other things for me. I, I appreciate it. We're, we're past most of it. I've got to learn to, 
you know, it's uh, the, the, the doctor's like, you're going to have a little leakage. And so I'm figuring out how to recontrol that bladder and get, get the muscles down there. Cause they haven't worked this way in a while. The prostate, the enlarged prostate was the physical therapist said it was acting like a muscle. So some of your, some of your muscles got a little lazy. In got the it. So we got to get them trained back up. I also haven't gotten the feeling of a full versus not full bladder back. You know how you feel? Oh, you really? It affects that too. Feel? Yeah. 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 Um, so I haven't, that feeling hasn't come back yet. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm like, Oh, I hope that comes back or I'll just have to make regular trips and be like, woohoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know why that's, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but well, cause it uh, takes us back to our childhood. Every little boy, you know, does that all yeah. the time. So it's yeah. just, you know, takes Gym us this leakage. Well, depends. Yeah, actually. And depends makes some pretty good products now for men, uh, just for this. And I, I listen, I, this is another thing my dad would have been embarrassed to talk about, Yeah, but Hey, it's, it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, some guys would never leave the house again. Yeah. And you're like, like, no, no, I'm going to figure it out. Like I, I don't, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it under control or if we don't, we'll figure out how to manage it. And, and in some cases it may take some kind of product like depends. I think all of us guys, cause we don't do very, you know, we don't go to that aisle at Walmart ever. Right. Think depends are a big bulky diaper. That's what it, I had in my head. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah it's not. <laughs> no, it's not, no, okay. they got a lot. They have a lot of great. They have a lot of great, and I'm I'm using one of those now to just kind of sit out front. And if I do have one of those moments where I cough <laughs> or sneeze, yeah, uh, you know, it catches it. And so you're like, okay, that's that's actually not a bad um, there, and it's comfortable, guys. It is what it is. Like if yeah. you, otherwise, do I want to be peeing on myself all the time? Right. Like, well, what's the alternative? Right? It's right. definitely better than the alternative. Yeah. 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 So. There's yeah. some great, I mean, they have come a long ways on very comfortable absorbing, you know, if you're in that situation, they've come a long ways. You don't have to be embarrassed about it. That You don't have to, I mean, I'm talking about it to you, Mike, into the community, because I think it's one of those things we were honestly, as guys, we're kind of afraid of. Yeah. Oh, for you know? sure. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. This could be over. Yes. I, I don't, and they're like, no, man, it's, there's, there's, there's ways to manage this. It'll be fine. Yeah. We'll work this out. I've got work to do and I, I've got some, you know, I've got some muscles to figure out and I got, you know, I've got um, exercises to do to get my core strengthened so it can support all those kinds of things. So I've got some work to do, but all, all as well. So to again, Good. everybody, thanks. Well, it seems okay. like after, after the sickness, after this, it's been around upward, upward trend now this week. Yeah, no, we're yeah. back at work. I'm back at work. I said halftime. That still hasn't worked. I'm still, yeah. I, was, I did full, I did full days all and I'll do another one tomorrow, but, but uh, it's okay. I feel good. And uh, we'll continue to do home gadget geeks for you guys. And big thanks to the doctors as well, who, I mean, they, uh, listen, our, our healthcare is amazing. It's just amazing. Right. And I know, listen, there's a big disparity about people who can afford it and who can't some of those kinds of things. And, it is expensive. It is super expensive, but, but man, I, I am very, very thankful for all of those who work in that industry. And Tony, I know you do that as well. And, uh, and I'm very, very thankful that that technology I'm listen, we're privileged. It, um, I am privileged to be able to have access to that kind of healthcare and that kind of, that kind of, um, experience. 
you know, Jim says, so glad that it went through it and especially the no cancer part and to have those kind of results. I mean, we're just, I just, I'm, I live in a very privileged space and I, I don't, I hope I don't want to, I don't ever take it for granted. I, I'll be honest. A couple times I said some cavalier things about cancer, like bring it on. I, that was the dumbest thing I've ever could have said. Like, yeah, I know, blah, blah, blah. But this stuff is serious. My neighbor with two doors up just got lymphoma and he had a second chemo yesterday. And I was like, you know what? I think I was a little, I was a little cavalier about that. So if you've ever heard me say that before, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry about that. I will never be. And going through that experience myself with this just helps me realize how serious all that stuff is. So if I had said that and offended you, I'm sorry in the past. Well, Mike, thanks for coming out tonight. Always great yeah. to have you back and always great to have you here and uh, catch up with you. Uh, we'll try not to make it six months again. But, <laughs> right. Uh, things, things. What, any, anything in the future you're looking at as far as uh, technology or gadgets? The, the the networking is is my big one. No, it's it's the 10 gig networking and getting that up and running. Um, ah, yeah, it's okay. it's been on my mind. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, What's but, your next thing? Getting into anything? cleaning up the IOT that we have okay. here and then uh, doing some consolidation. I got gotcha. I think I have a hard, you know, I have a hard time getting rid of stuff. You and I are just going in opposite directions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Jim, I'm getting rid of, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to multiple servers. You're like I'm consolidating. And then six months from now, I'll be doing the consolidation. Be like, yeah. ah, I kind of want to go back to having, you know, multiple machines. And I'll be, yeah. And I'll be, I'll be expanding. We just, that's good. It's, it's just a variety. It gives a variety. I just have a hard time. I've got to learn to get rid of stuff. I'm, and it's not a, no, maybe it is hoarding. (laughs) Maybe it's digital. (laughs) It's digital equipment hoarding. And there's just some things. I do it too. Yeah. But it's great because then you have a project like this where I needed a third node. I'm like, oh, there's some old Optiplex in my storage where I could pull out and get it done. Yeah. No, right. Nice. You have those moments where you're like, see, this works. Yep. I had it. You know, and then it justifies everything. And then you have a whole locker full of whiskey. Yeah. That, that, you know, you never. So it's hard. I'm, I've got to figure out kind of like, eh, how do I slim this down a little bit? Do I really need all this stuff? Or just make it more efficient, you know, make it more efficient. So I have a pro tip that everyone knows real quick. Yeah. 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 Just a reminder, guys, when you're cleaning your computers, turn them off and pull the power plug. Don't be like Mike. <laughs> My Unraid server last week, you know, the kids were with me. I was like, oh, I've been meaning to dust that thing out. So I was like, but it can't go down. Obviously, I can't have server downtime. Um, was using this little blower to just do some light dusting. And I had a metal bracket in there. The PCI bracket cover was a little loose. It fell back on the motherboard. And I saw the huge spark and just dead quiet. Oh. and it was and the weird part was it would like power on but it wouldn't post and uh so yeah that was that was my angry trip to best buy you know to get a replacement motherboard so unplug you know even if you're just doing a little light dusting just just do the unplug i knew is what i should have done but uh yeah the, uh, the reddit home networking subreddit got a pretty good laugh at me actually what they laughed at was the picture i posted was me sitting on my carpeted floor because my kids were helping me with the new motherboard. Now the new motherboard stayed on the box. I'll be very clear. It was the old uh, motherboard that was sitting on the carpet, but man, Reddit will just tear you a new one for working with electronics on carpet. So that was, yeah, Oh, for sure. Static. Yeah. Yeah. Static. Rounded. Right. I was like, guys, that's the old, that's the trash motherboard. You know, yeah, I, I already learned my sparking lesson once that night. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I like, I actually like to work on the motherboard on top of the box. 
Yeah, that, that's what I was doing on the new okay. one. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it, but yeah. I was sitting on carpet because yeah, yeah. my kids were helping me. So and it didn't it didn't burn out the power supply at all. It just no, I was boring. praying. The guy at Best Buy was like, Oh, you build a new computer? And I was like, Well, I just fried my old motherboard. He goes, Oh, what'd you go well? For? What? What did you pay at Best Buy for the 150 out there at, at uh, um, 180th? Yeah, over yeah. By you. yeah, yeah. So I paid 150. And he's like, Oh, he goes, Well. He goes, I'll pray it was just the motherboard. And if not, I'll probably see it back here in about an hour. And I was like, yeah, but plugged everything back in and okay. the motherboard fired right okay. up. So the HBA survived. All the hard drives survived. Um, the the RAM, yeah, it was just capacitor. The, you think you blew out it just a capacitor I, on? That was the weird part. I looked for whatever it was. So it was right along, you know, the side of your motherboard where all your headers are? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for your front panel IO and for USB, that was where the PCI cover just fell and it fell and arced all of those. So I don't know what it did, oh. but I even tried CMOS reset and it was, it was done. So it was a very expensive dusting that I did that well, night. Well, at least you could replace it. And at least, I mean, you didn't, have to, you didn't have to buy a new computer. Did you get it yeah. much upgraded when you... No. When you bought the motherboard? No. No, I should have. Oh. Well, and the funny part is, is I've been trying, I've been thinking about switching to an Intel chip to have the integrated GPU, getting rid of that discrete graphics card that takes yeah. a lot of power. Um, but I didn't want to spend the money on a whole new CPU and motherboard. So I was like, eh, I'll just get a, I'll get the cheapest motherboard. And Best Buy only had one AM4 motherboard at, at all. So I was like, well, I'm stuck getting this. It was a, you know, it was a rush thing. I Within... What did it I, take I tell you, my, my Plex users are my best notification service uh, because within five minutes of me doing this, I got a text saying, hey, is, is Plex down? And I'm yeah, like, man, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm really going through the ringer right now. If you could just shut up, like it's been down for five minutes. All right. <laughs> You're like, back off. Yeah, back, back off. off. Back off. Back um, off. Oh, those pesky users. No, I know. Uh, I told you, I, 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 you know, I used to do stuff like that with the family and then they, that happens. And yes. like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to do that anymore. Yep. Do it, but you you continue to take the pain. <laughs> yeah. So, I kind of like the pain in that regard. I don't know why. It's weird. Can you hang tight for one second? Yes, Let me close this thing. All right. Yep. Uh, just a couple of reminders on the way out. If you want to join us in the Discord group, maybe Uyghur will come back and join us there. You can go to theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. Leave a message. Uh, if you want to, you got a question for the show, you want to get something on, leave a message. Homegadgetgeeks.com will get you there. And of course, the average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, still, still powered by Maple Grove Partners. Christian will be coming back. He moved his date to the 18th, but he's coming back the 18th of January. We'll talk a little bit. We'll get a we'll get caught up on Bitwarden and LastPass and some of those things while he's on in January. But um, get reliable high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. They still got plans for uh, just 10 bucks in, in most cases. Visit maplegrovepartners.com. And then don't forget, if you want to and you're thinking about it, head over to theaverageguy.tv. Click on the Amazon link. Before you go shopping, nothing else you need to do. That'll benefit the network. And uh, always appreciate you guys doing that. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Uh, uh, TJ Huddleston from hometech.fm is next week. You've heard of Gavin. Uh, Gavin is on all the time. Uh, TJ is one of his partners on HomeTech.fm. Uh, contact me. Goes, can I come on? <laughs> and he doesn't talk that way. By the way, that's just that's just what I said. And uh, and uh, I said, yeah. And uh, so he's coming on next week. We'll catch up with uh, there. It's it'll be heavy home automation next week for sure. 
holiday week coming up uh, uh, the week after that that's the week uh, between Christmas um, and uh, and then we're, we're off to the races for the new year and we'd love to have you as part of it come out and join us live if you're listening to the podcast and uh, for those of you listening live tonight thanks for uh, staying around we may have a smidgen of a post show with that we'll say goodbye everybody